Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to talk about something that happened yesterday in the Ontario legislature. Uh, the Ontario government uh, has passed legislation to repeal the province's cap-and-trade system, putting the final nail in the coffin of a program that Doug Ford has long been ch- well, going after and said this was going to be one of his things that he just wanted to get done. It was actually introduced in July, but you may recall, as we told you on this program, uh, it was held up because an environmental group launched a legal action against the government, uh, alleging the province was actually flouting Ontario's Environmental Bill of Rights by not holding public consultations. So the government held public consultations. Hands up anybody that saw any of those. No, I, I, neither did I. I don't know. But they say they did it some bit of October, and they said it's all done. So they passed the legislation. Uh, let's talk about the ramifications of, of their act right now. And joining us uh, to do just that is Mike Schreiner, who is, of course, the MPP for Guelph and also leader of the Ontario Green Party. And, uh, Mike, first of all, thanks for the time. Good to have you back on the program. Oh, happy to be on, Bill, especially talking about such an important issue. Well, yeah, I mean, you saw there, you were in the House, you saw the characterization from uh, Rod Phillips yesterday, the, uh, the Environment Minister, of course, for the government, says cap-and-trade was costly, it was ineffective, it was killing jobs, and it's gone. Uh, I've, I've always had problems with that third one, Rob, that it's kill, or, Mike, that it was killing jobs, uh, because the numbers belie that. Uh, Ontario has actually had an incredible economic growth, and I think a, a, a plus 960,000 job total in the last little while. So where's the job-killing aspect? Well, there's a lot of problems with what the Conservatives are saying. They're really putting uh, ideology before evidence. So they say, you know, job-killing carbon tax. Well, Here's the bottom line. The five best-performing economies in Canada at the provincial level all have a price on pollution. The best-performing state economies in the U.S. have a price on pollution, including California, which actually has met its emission reduction targets ahead of schedule and has one of the best-performing economies in the world. Uh, The best-performing economies in Europe all have a price on pollution. China's even bringing in a price on pollution. So this rhetoric about uh, pollution pricing being bad for the economy, it just isn't based in any facts whatsoever. But it certainly plays well to their base. Well, it certainly plays well to their base, but I think they're misleading their base. Now, I have some problems with cap-and-trade myself, Bill, and it was never my preferred method of pricing pollution. But if you would bring in the Green Party's plan, put a price on pollution, uh, and then rebate all that money back to people as a carbon dividend. So send you a quarterly check to help you manage the transition to a low-carbon economy. That creates the market mechanisms to um, incentivize reducing pollution, while at the same time literally putting money in people's pockets. That's what the premier campaigned on. And that, would, that wouldn't be the only solution to the cri- climate crisis, but it certainly would be an important one. Uh, and, you know, why the government doesn't explore low-cost, efficient ways of pricing pollution uh, and helping people with, you know, modest and middle incomes manage the transition makes no sense to me why they don't support something like that. Well, the plan that you've just outlined is is a variation on what uh, the Prime Minister is trying to do right now and trying to get instituted. And I'm sure you saw that poll that came out today that suggested that over 50% of Canadians now are supportive of that sort of a plan. Uh, that's going to see the rebate checks go right back to individuals as opposed to what this government was doing, the, the, the wind government was doing on this. Yet we've got a premier in this province, Mike, that's uh, already committed $30 million to fight this in court. Yeah, so that I just find outrageous. I don't think anyone uh, voted conservative to have the premier waste 
your hard-earned tax dollars on a politically motivated lawsuit against the federal government that has no hope, at least according to most legal scholars, of being successful. So, you know, here, here's, what, here's what we are in Ontario. Uh, according to the Environment Commissioner's Office, uh, in the first six months of this year alone, uh, extreme weather events caused by climate change is costing the average household $350. So we're on track, if you know you take that out over the full 12 months of the year, for climate change to cost every household in this province around $700, and yet we have no plan. I think that's fiscally irresponsible on the part of the government. They have no plan. By the way, they, the irresponsible way they canceled the cap-and-trade plan is going to contribute an additional $3 billion to our budget deficit, which we already have a budget deficit, but it's you know, way too high. Then on top of that, they're going to waste at least $30 million in a politically motivated lawsuit against the federal government. And they've now told investors around the world that when it comes to the clean economy, the fastest-growing sector of the global economy, that Ontario is closed for business. You know, ripping up contracts for renewable energy and things like that has even led the Ontario Chamber of Commerce and the Business Council of Canada to, you know, chastise the government saying, you know, why are you doing this? This sends the wrong message to investors and job creators. Uh, so I think what they're doing is, is, is entirely irresponsible. It's reckless and it's unnecessary because we can put forward a climate plan that I think fits with, uh, you know, some of what the, what the government was talking about during the election campaign. You know, this whole thing, and, and there have been a couple of different, I think, uh, examples of this, Mike, actually, Porto, I, I think one of the shortcomings of our, our first-past-the-post system here in our voting system, uh, because what we're hearing from the Ford government consistently is, you know, uh, this is what Ontario voters wanted, and we're going to deliver on this. Now, and, and I get that to a point. I mean, that's how the game of politics is played. But look, I'm sure that there are some people that have voted for the Ford government that, that wanted him to tear up the sex ed curriculum. I'm sure there are some people that wanted to see him get rid of cap and trade. But I think the reality here in this province is that the majority of people that voted pro- probably for the PCs simply wanted to get rid of Kathleen Wynne and didn't really give a darn exactly what Ford was going to do. But they take that victory and say, now we can do whatever we want because we have this strong mandate. Yeah, you just said it very well, Bill, and you're absolutely right. And I would just add to that that uh, 60% of the people who voted voted for a political party that supports some form of pollution pricing. Now, the Liberals, the NDP, and Greens all have you know different approaches to that. But the bottom line is, is the majority of the people who voted, uh, the vast majority, actually, 60%, voted for a party that supports pollution pricing. So for the premier to come in and say that he has a mandate to just just throw Ontario's climate uh, plans away. And then they had the audacity yesterday to stand up uh, in the House and cheer about the fact that they've just, you know, decimated Ontario's climate plan. And then when I tried to raise um, an emergency motion to have an emergency debate on the climate crisis, the federal parliament has had one, the B.C. legislature has had one, especially given just the you know terrifying report that came out from the IPCC, which says that if we don't start reducing the trajectory of uh, global emissions by 2020, that then in the next 12 years we're going to be unleashing um, you know a climate catastrophe that you know far exceeds anything that scientists have been predicting up to this point. Uh, for us to not even for the government to even block 
discussing that, having a debate around that, I think is irresponsible and does a disservice to the people of Ontario. Well, they say they're going to roll out a plan, and, and we'll see what happens with that. But, I mean, I'm not very confident about that at this stage, Mike, because the way that Doug Ford talked about it a couple of weeks ago, they, I think one of the people in the, in the scrum said, well, you know, what happens for people that are in noncompliance? He's, well, I'll go have a talk with them. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm really, are you kidding me? That's, that's, that's the essence of their plan? Yeah, well, the other thing, Bill, is what I find so outrageous about that statement is that uh, once upon a time, conservatives believed in markets. I mean, even Preston Manning, uh, you know, was given the, giving conservative political leaders a rough time for not supporting pollution pricing because it's basically just using a market mechanism, which you would think can fit, fits in with, you know, conservative values or principles. But I would say that, you know, having the, you know, premier of the province use strong-arm tactics against businesses that are, you know, polluting, that sounds like something that, you know, I don't know, maybe Hugo Chavez or somebody like that would do. Not, not or, or Don a, Corleone. A, yeah, exactly. Not somebody, you know, in a, in a, in a province that's governed by the, the rule of law, that's democratic, that, you know, has a market economy. It just seems to contradict so much of what I thought conservatives used to believe in. Well, and, and that's one of the ironies of this whole situation is is the whole idea of carbon pricing was actually something that was being developed and put forth by the conservatives some years ago. As a matter of fact, one of Mr. Ford's uh, chief economic advisors was a strong proponent of carbon pricing. Uh, I guess, obviously, he's changed his tune since his boss has changed his tune on this. But it won, it, it boggles the imagination that there'd be such an about turn on this. But uh, listen, i got to well, ask exactly. you, you mentioned about the cap and trade. And by the way, Mike, you and I have talked about this in the past, and uh, we've shared this some of the concerns about how the wind government actually rolled this out and, and what they were doing with the money. I mean, you know, I don't know that anybody in this province, except uh, people that were going to buy a Tesla, were crazy about getting rebate checks back. I think that was wrongheaded. But we have already seen some of the ramifications from canceling this program is billions of dollars that was scheduled for infrastructure for cities and for boards of education is now gone. Uh, and that's that's a a real problem. I, we've talked to members of the Hamilton board here. Uh, obviously, the city of Hamilton's concerned about that. That was money that's supposed to go to transportation and infrastructure costs. I'm sure up in Guelph, you've got the same sort of problems right now. That's that's a form of downloading. It, what they've done by canceling this program is basically said to local taxpayers, "You guys are on your own now to fix all this stuff." Yeah, Bill. It's a. It's a I know it's a huge issue in Hamilton. It's a big issue in Guelph. The city of Guelph put forward an official submission during the you know consultation process, which doesn't sound like the government listened to anything that people told them, uh, uh, because, you know, it, it certainly affects the city of Guelph's budget. Uh, and what really, really um, disappoints me is that a lot of what was cut were programs designed to help people save money by saving energy or to help public institutions or municipal governments um, uh, save money by saving energy. So, you know, the fact that, you know, $100 million taken away from schools, that was money schools were going to invest in, in helping, you know, them to reduce their electricity and heating bills. Um, the city of Guelph has some very innovative programs to reduce the city's energy use. Um, they've lost funding for that. Hospitals have lost funding. Social housing, um, you know, retrofits have been lost. Those were all investments that were going to help save money over time and save energy and reduce carbon pollution. And then, you know, the, the, um, canceling the rebates to help individual homeowners. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm very, uh, uh, concerned 
about you know how rising energy costs are affecting particularly people with lower incomes. Nobody should have to choose between heating and eating. And to have the government cancel programs that were actually going to help people reduce their energy bills, to me, is short-sighted and irresponsible. Well, um, let's crunch some numbers here. Since, you know, they're, they're for the little guy, Mike. Uh, as, as you've already mentioned, I mean, this, this cancellation of this program right now leaves them with a $3 billion uh, shortfall in, in income for the government. That's going to be a problem. I don't know how they're going to make that up, although I, I hate to think of what the options are going to be at this stage. Uh, they've already, uh, as we say, downloaded the costs of, of a lot of these repairs that were going to be done from boards of education in cities right across the province onto pro- property taxpayers. Uh, and there's well, the other question, of course, is about a billion dollars in money that's left over from some of the uh, purchases that are the, that the government, the previous government, made. We don't know what they're going to do with that money. I mean, they had, you know, they called what Wynn was doing a, a, a slush fund. They they got a billion dollars sitting someplace. And we have no idea what they're going to do with it. Yeah, I never thought you'd hear me say these words, uh, Bill. But um, you know, it appears that the previous government, which I gave a re- the Liberals a pretty hard time on some of their financial accounting, at least in this regard, it appears the conservatives are even being less transparent than the liberals. I didn't think I'd ever, you'd ever hear me say that. But in this case, you know, that is a case. Well, that set the bar pretty low. Exactly. The other thing that hasn't been brought up yet, Bill, either, is the way in which, uh, the reckless way in which they, clo- they canceled the cap-and-trade program uh, has exposed Ontario to possible legal risk. And um, I know there were I was on the committee that um, reviewed the cap and trade cancellation bill. And, you know, there were manufacturers there who had purchased um, emission credits, uh, you know, in good faith, obeying the law, following the rules. They're now out of luck. And the government's calling them speculators. And I asked one, um, you know, the owner of one company, I'm like, are you a speculator? Were you speculating in the market? And he's like, no. I was just trying to do the right thing. I was trying to follow the law and trying to make a business decision based on my legal obligations. And now I'm out a lot of money. Uh, I that there was a lawyer who came to committee talking about you know how a number of um, her clients are considering uh, legal action. I tried to move some amendments forward to help protect the province against possible legal action. The Conservatives voted those down. And so I'm worried that the cost might even go up. Um, you know, it'll be good for lawyers, obviously, but I don't think it'll be good for the people of Ontario. Well, we have to wait for the other shoe to drop, I guess, because uh, the Environment Minister says they're going to roll their plan out, although it's not going to have any price on carbon on it. So it, it, this is something that's new and innovative, because I'm not so sure that that can actually happen. But uh, I guess at that point, Mike, we'll have to have that conversation. We do appreciate your time today, though. Thanks so much. Absolutely, Bill. And I've told the Environment Minister many times I'm happy to to give him some ideas. And so even though we disagree on on pollution pricing, I'm going to continue to try to work with the minister because this is such a critically important issue. Absolutely. Thanks again, Mike. We'll talk soon. Have a good day, Bill. Mike Schreiner, of course, Guelph MPP and a leader of the Ontario Green Party. Uh, and, and a great deal of concern. And, and I'm sure, like I say, the, the people that are hardcore uh, PC supporters, you know, that, that political base that uh, the Premier seems to be playing to, I'm sure are very, very happy about this. But the, you've got to ask yourself, uh, from a financial standpoint, what cost? You know, have, to have a, an income shortfall for the government of $3 billion, and then all these extra costs that are going to go on to our property taxes as a result of this move, you've got to yourself, ask yourself, really, legitimately, what's the upside here for you and me? 
The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.